Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Good morning, Renewal. It is good to be with you. Um, your pastor, Pastor D, is a good friend. Um, been encouraged by his friendship over over the years. Uh, yesterday, I was able to watch uh, the message that he preached last Sunday. And is is self care biblical? And in that message, he challenges us to to rest. He challenges us to to find hobbies that give us life and give us joy. Today, I'm going to be coming from John 21, kind of following up that message. What what happens when when we mess up? What happens when we fall short? What happens when when the goals that we set this year don't happen? What happens when we when we decide that we're going to start tithing, and and a few months later we realize that yeah, I I like my comforts and 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 I like spending money on what I want to spend money on. What happens when when we set the goal we're we're not going to go to the to the club no more and find somebody new every single week and and yet we 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 fail again and. What happens when, when we're with our boyfriend and girlfriend and we say, we're, we're going to wait until we're married to, to partake in sex and, and we fail? What, what happens when we start a Bible reading plan to read through the Bible in a year? How many of us have tried that before? And we get to Leviticus and, and we're like, ah, I don't know about this. I'll just go back to uh, my regular reading. What, what happens when we set goals, when, when we set good goals and, and we fail at them? Right here in this passage, we're going to see the life of the disciples. These, these men who followed Jesus for three years, he, he called them to come and follow him. And, and they, where Jesus slept, they slept. Where Je, when Jesus ate, they ate. When Jesus did miracles, they saw. When, when Jesus taught, they listened. And yet something happens. Something happens where, where they see themselves as failures see themselves as not being able to keep up the, the pace that Jesus set before them. And they get discouraged, as we often do when we don't meet our goals. We, we become depressed. We, we think it's all hopeless, and we just toss in the towel, and we say, we quit. What do we do in that moment? If you could stand as we read John chapter 21, I'm going to read the first three verses John chapter 21, it starts off with this. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon, Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. Verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Father, we pray as we look at your word, we pray that you would speak to us. 
God, we pray that your spirit would open up blind eyes, would soften hard hearts, would unplug deaf ears. Father, we pray that your word will breathe life to us today. Wherever we are, we ask for your grace and your mercy. So God, we come before you with humble hearts. And we ask you to speak to us. In the name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Again, going back to verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, also known as the Sea of Galilee. And he revealed himself in this way. And it lists uh, uh, some names of disciples. Simon Peter is the first one on this list in verse 2. And if we remember, this, this, is, this is right after Jesus Christ went to the cross. This is right after Jesus Christ was buried for three days. This is right after Jesus Christ rose up from the grave and, and he appeared to many of the disciples. and They saw his resurrected body. But Simon Peter is one of the disciples. When Jesus, right before he went to the cross, he, he went to Simon and he said, Simon, Satan is asked to sift you like we. You will deny me. And Simon says, oh, I, I don't know about the others, but I will never deny you. I, I, I will be faithful this time. I, I, I know who you are, and I will follow you to, to death. And as Jesus is taken captive, as, as Simon Peter follows after where they're taking Jesus, and he's standing outside in the courtyard, and, and there's a charcoal fire, and he's warming his hands over the fire. A young lady comes to him and says, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? Don't, didn't you hang out with this man? Didn't you follow this man? And he says, oh, no, 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 that's not me. You got me messed up. You got me mixed up with somebody else. He denies Jesus three times. It's Simon Peter, whom Jesus walked with for three years, denies Jesus three times on this night. Thomas the second one on this list, when Jesus Christ knocks on the door and someone opens up the door and says, hey, it's Jesus at the door. Thomas runs to the door and he says, I won't believe until I see the scars in his hands. And forever he will be known as Doubting Thomas. Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, this third individual on this list, Nathan, when, when he heard that, that this Messiah was, was claiming to be the Christ, when this Jesus was claiming to be the anointed one, he says this. He asks this question, can anything good come from Galilee? He doubts Jesus because of where he comes from. The sons of Zebedee are next on this list. The sons of Zebedee are, are two brothers, James and John, who... who don't understand the mercies of God, who don't understand the grace of God. So when Jesus is proclaiming the gospel, calling people to repent, and, and people don't believe it, James and John are the ones who say, hey, Jesus, let us cast down fire from heaven. Let us destroy these mugs. Let us give them what they deserve. And there's two other disciples who are unnamed here. So seven of the 12 disciples who, who in Jerusalem, Jesus told them, hey, guys, I want you to meet me in the mountain of Galilee. I want you to meet me there, and I got some final words for you. And on the way there, this three-day journey, about two days into the journey, Simon Peter and these disciples, these five disciples, walk by the Sea of Galilee. And this is where Jesus first found them. And and and. and the guilt and the shame 
begin to overwhelm them. They realize how much they failed Jesus, how much they have not met the goals that they themselves set up. They, they, they probably thought that if, if we see Jesus again, he, he will be disappointed in us. He's going to call me out for my sin. He's going he's to say, Peter, what's wrong with you? How did you deny me three times after I warned you? He doesn't want to meet with me. And so Simon has this great idea. He's like, hey, let's just go back fishing. Let's go back to our old way of life. Let's go back to what we know. Let's go back to what we're comfortable with. Let's go back to what we're good at. Sin, unchecked, will take us further from Jesus. Will cause us to be overwhelmed with depression and, and regret and shame and guilt. That we, that we forget the, the actual person that we need to run to, that we need to see. So Simon Peter goes fishing. The other six disciples say, well, well, we will go with you. But I like that last part of verse 3. They went out, these professional fishermen. They went out and they caught, got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Jesus performs a miracle here. And in the midst of their running from Jesus, he, he gives them futility in their running. And this is, this is how often we are, right? It's, it's, we get discouraged, we get depressed, we, we, we fail Jesus over and over again. We're just like, yo, we're just going to go back to what we know. <laughs> and you get all dressed up and you go to the club and, and you're ready to go find that boo, that bae, right? And, 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 and you think, man, they're going to want me. And, and you go to the club, you're there all night and ain't nobody talking to you. That's Jesus <laughs> foiling your plans, messing your plans up, Right? Because he knows that that's not what you need. That's not what you want. And, 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 and you're like, man, I'm just going to go back to making money, making lots of money. And it's, it's, that's what it's about. That's what's going to give me happiness and joy. And then you get let go from your job. And now you're left with nothing. Because Jesus is foiling your plans. He, mess, he messes up your plans because he wants you to know that it's him that gives you joy. It's him that brings you happiness. Look at verse 4. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. When we try to run from Jesus, when we try to avoid Jesus, know this, that Jesus never avoids us. That Jesus never departs from us. That Jesus never leaves us. He, he's, he's right there following us. He's right there chasing us down. He's right there breaking down doors to show himself as being the faithful one in the midst of our faithlessness. Jesus is standing on the shore, and yet they don't even know it's him. They're still thinking, oh, I'm just doing my life. Jesus is waiting on the mountain. He's going to miss us today. Little do they know that Jesus is nearby watching them. Verse 5, Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. Look at what Jesus calls them, children. I don't think he's being demeaning here. I don't think he's, he's saying, oh, you, you, you little immature people. I think what he's doing is reminding them of their identity. That in the midst of, again, their hopelessness, in the midst of them running from Jesus, that Jesus still calls them family. Jesus will never abandon his children. 
He will never abandon us, his, his bride. And he, he asked him, children, do you have any fish? How, how, how is it going living your life the way you want to? How is it going apart from, from, from Jesus? You could imagine just the, the, the brokenness of the disciples. They already beat up because spiritually they failed. And now they return to the thing that they know and they fail again. They're out there all night. They're professional fishermen. How do you not catch nothing? And their humility and their brokenness, they, they say, no, we caught nothing. And what's beautiful is that, that the Bible tells us Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And, and this is, the disciples are exactly where Jesus wants them to be. In their brokenness, in their humility, at the end of the rope. Verse 6, he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. If you've read through the Gospels, you would realize that, man, this, this happened before. In Luke chapter 5, when Jesus first calls the disciples to come follow him, he gets into the boat with Simon Peter and, and Simon Peter was out all night and caught nothing. His efforts weren't working. Jesus gets in the boat. He says, oh, go to the deep and cast out your nets for a catch. And Simon's like, hey, Jesus, uh, you must not know this, but I'm the professional fisherman. This is not your field, Jesus. You're a carpenter. Go work on some wood. But he says, but, but at your command, I will let down the net. And he lets down the net and, and a large catch of fish is taken. That so much that the net begins to tear and, and the boat begins to sink. And he calls his boys, James and John, to come and, and help catch this fish. And he falls down at the feet of Jesus. And he says, depart from me. Depart from me. Because he realizes that he can't be in the presence of, of this man. And Jesus stands him up and he says this. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. So imagine being Simon Peter and the other six disciples in this boat. And the stranger from the shore says, cast your net out into the deep. And, and you do it and a large number of fish are caught. It's bringing them back to three years previously when Jesus first showed up before them. And so verse 7, that disciple whom Jesus loved, being John, Therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. Who else can do this? Who else can do this miraculous work but him? He is the Lord. He is the ruler. He is the one who is in control. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he, he put out his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. When, when, when Peter realizes that that's Jesus on the shore, that he came after us. He, 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 he doesn't wait for the boat to get to shore. He doesn't wait for the fish to be put into the boat. He, he jumps into the water and he starts to swim for shore because he so desperately wants to be with this Jesus who pursued after him. This is the greatest thing we could do in our weakness and our failures when we screw up over and over again is to run to Jesus, to swim hard after him. To, to go against the waves 
that try to push us back, to keep pushing on towards him. I don't care how tired my arms are getting, I'm, I'm, I'm swimming towards Jesus. I don't care how much I want to quit right now, I'm, I'm swimming towards Jesus. And the other disciples, verse 8, came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but, but about 100 yards off. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I grew up in the hood, so I, I never knew how, learned how to swim. Some of you guys may have learned how to swim, but 100 yards seems kind of a long ways to swim, whether you're good or not. 100 yards, of the, for, for those who are not good at measurements, think of a football field. A football field length is what Simon Peter, he jumped into the water, swam 100 yards to be with Jesus. And now the other disciples start to follow him with the fish. And they get to the shore after Simon Peter. So, so Simon Peter's there first and he's there by himself. And he sees Jesus in verse 9. When, when they got out on land, they, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. There's three things I, I think that Jesus is reminding his disciples of in this text. Three things in verse 9 through 14 that I want us to remember as well. That remember the, the last time that there was a charcoal fire. Remember the last time that Simon Peter would have smelled the, the aroma from that charcoal fire. See, smell brings back memories. You, you, you smell that baked macaroni and, and you're reminded of your grandmother who used to make the best baked macaroni. Even though she passed a few years away uh, ago, you, you're reminded of, of how much you loved her. And, and you smell that cologne on somebody and, and you're like, that reminds me of my dad before he passed. Here, the, the, the smell that, that Simon Peter ran into was this, this smell of betrayal. The smell of the last time I smelled charcoal fire was when I was denying Jesus three times. Why would I have done that? What made me deny my Savior? What made me deny my Lord? And a lot of times we, we, we want to keep our sin from Jesus as though he doesn't know what to do with it. We want to try to hide it as Adam and Eve did and cover ourselves, cover our nakedness. And when Jesus comes calling for us, we're hiding behind the bushes. But what Jesus does is he reminds us, he reminds his children of, of our sin, of our brokenness. And, and Jesus says, come to me anyway with your brokenness. Come to me with your nakedness. Come to me with your failures, with your weaknesses. He, he doesn't sweep it under the rug. He doesn't avoid it. He doesn't hide from it. He, he doesn't say, clean up your life and then come to me. Make, make sure that, that you're good and, and then you could read from my word and then you could call out to me in prayer. No, no, no. Bring your sin to him. Run to him with your brokenness. Don't think that somehow you could get good enough. You could stop doing what you've been doing and then Jesus will accept you. Remember your sin. Verse 10, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. Not only do they bring their sinfulness to him, but they, Jesus invites them to participate in this meal, to participate in this potluck that he is making here. Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. 
So Simon Peter went aboard and hailed the net ashore, or hauled the net ashore, and full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Why does John, the author of this book, mention that there's 153 fish that Simon Peter brings to Jesus? When, when, when the Bible talks about numbers, oftentimes the numbers are, are, are rounded up. There's an average. There's about numbers, right? So when Jesus is feeding the crowds, how many, how many men and women were there? 5,000, right? In one story and 7,000 in another story. It was... Was there exactly 5,000 or could there have been 5,021, right? The, 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 the point is not, yo, how much, it's, it's exactly, it's, it's, it's about how many people are in the room, how many people are here. So why does John go to the exact number? Why does he just say there's 150 or 200? Why, why such an odd number like 153? Well, back in, the, in, in this area 2,000 years ago in the Sea of Galilee, many Galileans, their, their occupation was fishing. This is what they did. The Sea of Galilee was full of life, full of fish. And, and so there were all kinds of fish. And if you've ever been fishing, there's different kinds, right? There's catfish, there's carp, there's tilapia, there's... That's about the limit of what I know, but there's all kinds of fish, right? And certain people like certain fish above other fish, right? Some people are like, I, I ain't going to eat the catfish because they're bottom feeders. Other people are like, oh, I love the catfish, right? You fry it up and it's, and it's good, right? And so they, they knew all the kinds of fish that were in the water and all the kinds of fish that people would want. And, and so they caught the catfish and they knew, oh, we'll take this to Miss, Mrs. Johnson, right? And we caught catch the tilapia and we take this to, to Miss Jones, right? They, 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 they knew the fish, and, 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 and they're thinking there were 153 species of fish in the Sea of Galilee. This was, there was something specific about this number of fish. So first, Jesus reminds them of their sin. He reminds them of their brokenness. But two, Jesus reminds them of their mission. He reminds us of our mission. Because the first time again that Jesus did this miracle for his disciples... What did he call Simon and the others to do? Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so oftentimes, again, our sin causes us to hide from Jesus, causes us to run from Jesus, and it causes us to doubt the mission that Jesus called us to do. And we somehow start to think, oh, Jesus can never use me because I've denied him three times. Jesus can never use me because, because I doubted at his resurrection. Oh, Jesus can never use me because, because, because I wanted fire to come down from heaven on, on these unbelievers. Jesus can never use me because, because even though I, I set the goal to be sexually pure, I, I've fallen over and over again. Oh, Jesus can never use me because even though I, I said I'm going to read the Bible through this year for the fifth consecutive year, I stopped in Leviticus. Jesus could never use me because I said I was going to start praying and fasting. And, and after three hours of praying and fasting, I got distracted and, and I went to Old Country Buffet. I've failed over and over again in no way that Jesus will ever use me. A failure. Someone who lets them down over and over again. And we forget our mission and yet Jesus reminds them, I have called you to become a fishers of men. All kinds of people. 
people from every nation, tongue, and tribe. I want you. I want to use you in your brokenness. I want to use you in your failures. I want to use you in your sin to do this work. And he says to them in verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Come and make yourself at home. Come and eat what I have prepared for you. Come and fellowship with me. You're not an enemy of mine anymore. You, you are a friend. You are family. You are my children. Come and eat. Stop running. Stop hiding. Come and enjoy what I've made for you. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They, they knew it was the Lord. Who else would do that? Who else, when, when you fail them over and over again, keeps inviting you back, keeps reaching out to you? There's very few people in the world who would do that for you. Maybe your mom and dad and your grandparents. But even our friends, when we fail them so many times, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done with you. And we do the same thing to other people. You fool me once, what they say? Shame on me or shame on you. You fool me twice, right? Shame on me. Like, like that's enough. <laughs> I may give you three chances, but, but, but you're striking out eventually. Who would, who would continue to welcome you? Who would continue to, to make meals for you? <laughs> After you've let them down so many times, there's only one person who would do that. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Who, who We fail him over and over again. He says, it's okay, guys. Don't hide from me. Come and eat with me. Come and enjoy this, this good food that I, I just made for you. Verse 13, Jesus came and took the bread and, and he gave it to them. And so with the fish. When was the last time that Jesus broke bread with his disciples? The night of his betrayal, what we call the Last Supper. He gets an upper room and, and all the disciples are laying around this table. And he says, one of you will betray me, speaking of Judas. All of you will flee, but afterwards you, you, you'll be built back up. And he takes the bread and he breaks it. And he says, this is my body which is broken for you. Whenever you gather together, do this in remembrance of me. The reason why we could come to Jesus in our brokenness is because he has paid for our brokenness. His body went to the cross. His, our shame was put on him. And our guilt was put on him. So that when we come to Jesus now, we understand that, yo, that, that, that sin was paid for. That sin was covered. That sin was dealt away with. No longer will the Father turn his back on us because the Father turns back on Jesus for us. 
No longer will blood have to be shed for the remission of sins because Jesus shed his blood for our remission of sins. And, and so imagine this. Simon Peter, again, swims to the shore and, and there's breakfast ready. And Jesus takes this bread and he starts to break it. Brothers and sisters, this is the reminder for us that Jesus paid it all. As the old hymn goes, all to him I owe. Sin had left, left a crimson stain. He washed it all away. Jesus took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish, the first thing Jesus reminds them of is their sin. The second thing he reminds them of is their mission that he still has for them. The third thing right there that he reminds them of is his grace. That his grace is sufficient. His grace covers all our sin and all of our shame. Verse 14 in conclusion. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. What's the significance of this? It's that Jesus shows himself up again and again and again. Because we need him to show up again and again and again. Because as the other hymn, old hymn goes, prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. That, that our hearts, we, 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 we're at the mountaintop in the beginning of the year and, and eventually again we, we fall off. And we have to remember the gospel message that Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. And, and, and we get it and we go back up the mountaintop and, and three months later we're in the valley again. And we think, oh, Jesus will never forgive me again. He'll, 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 he'll never send me on mission again. And Jesus appears again. And he reminds us, no, child, come back to me. Do return to your first love again. You haven't been reading the Bible as you, you ought to, but that's okay. <laughs> right now, spend time with me. You haven't been praying like you ought to, but that's okay. <laughs> Pray now. I st I'm still here. You, you, you haven't been following me as you ought to. You haven't been giving as you ought to. You haven't been abstaining from stuff that you're supposed to abstain from. That's okay. Come to me. Remember my gospel. <laughs> Remember who I am. Remember that I am the God who loves you despite you, not because of you. Again, we, we, we can't get our life in order and then come to Jesus. We, we come with our brokenness. We swim to the shore where, where he is waiting for us. When Jesus seems far, it's never because he walked away. If Jesus seems far, it's because we walked away. And Jesus, again, is always close by, waiting for us, calling us to come and dine with him, come and be with him. So what is the greatest thing we could do for care, to care for ourselves? <laughs> it's to let it all go. Stop striving. Stop, stop trying in your own works. Stop trying to get yourself where you need to be, and then, and then you feel okay spiritually. Come to Jesus as you are. Come to Jesus in your brokenness. 
And I'm sure there's different people who are in the room today. And some may be visiting for the first time. Some may have been coming for weeks or even months. And maybe you've been in other churches. And you've been striving on your own accord. And, and, you, and you, you fail. And so you think you will never be the place you need to be to, before you come to Jesus. Before you give your life to him. I'm going to call you to trust in Jesus. Trust in his body that was broken for you. His blood that was shed for you. That Jesus, unlike any other religion, offers himself. The creator becomes the one who dies on the cross. The perfect one becomes sin on our behalf. He offers himself to you. You can enter into the family of God by putting your trust in him. And he, the one who saves you, will be the one who sanctifies you. For others, you, 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 you may have been coming to church, you, you may believe in Jesus, and, and yet you're in a season of discouragement, you're in a season, a season of hopelessness. Because again, you look at your life and, and you know how far, how far from perfection you are. You know how much you failed him even this week. Know this, that if Jesus feels far from you right now, he is not. He is close by. And he is waiting for you to swim to him, to run to him. And he is waiting there with open arms. And, and he has a table spread out before you. And he invites you to sit at the table. It may have been a while since you read the scriptures and you prayed. Because again, the shame that, that weighs heavy on your heart. But know this, that Jesus today offers you to open up his word. To spend time with him, to hear from him. To pray to him, to bring your request before him, to bring your sin before him. Confess it and he will forgive. He forgives over and over and over again. He is not like us. Father, I pray that we would be people. God, that would look to Jesus. That we would be people, Lord God, when, when we sin, when we fail, Lord God, that we would not be satisfied with that. But, Lord God, that we know that we could bring that to Jesus. We could bring it to the cross that it was paid for already 2,000 years ago on Calvary. As Jesus, the perfect one, went to the cross, took our shame, took our penalty upon himself. He suffered a death that we should have died. He suffered the shame that we should have went through. And when Satan tries to discourage us, when he tries to cause us to despair, God, we pray that we would remember Jesus. That we would look to Jesus and live. God, I pray that you who care so much for us, you who never give up on us would reveal yourself over and over again in our darkest places, in our darkest seasons of life. God, make yourself known. Make your mercy known day by day. 
pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 930 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.